my DNA from above the water and below the surface. It's who I am. Join me as I travel the world in search of the most insane fishing experiences on the planet. You got it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big fish right there, Al. Yeah, baby. the size of it. G'day and welcome to Al McGlashan's podcast, the best job in the world. And I'm up to, I don't know, I'm up to 12 or 13. But you know what? I've got something special this week. I've got a bloke who is guru, an absolute guru at catching sailfish. Bomber Farrell, welcome to the show. Oh, Al, nice to see you here. And who's this guru who's going to be coming to the show today about the sailfish? Well, sadly, we couldn't get him. So second best option. We could, <laughs> yeah, that's all we could get at the end there. But now we're up at Groot Island, which for anyone overseas is basically, well, you tell it better than me. You know, you live here. Oh, well, Groot Island's actually located in the Gulf of Carpentaria. It's 650 kilometres east of Darwin. It's That's northern Australia for everyone around the world. That's just a, you know... Yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere, north. Uh, so sort of halfway between Cairns and Darwin, you'd sort of say, on a massive island. It's the fourth largest island in Australia. Yep, it is. And it's it's real tropical, you know, it's, it's remote as. And if there's one thing everyone does here, because you're on the edge of the territory, is... Can't even open someone. Crack a can. Cheers. Because you can do it up here. So it's the only way to make it happen. Now, Bomber and I have been mates for years and years, and we should go back, actually, to where we met originally. It was a long time ago, 2012. It was a GFAA conference presentation in Sydney, Sydney Harbour. That's yeah. how long ago it was on that massive, uh, massive boat. And the GFAA, which is underneath the International Game Fishing Association, the Australian version. Now, you won the most tagged billfish. In Australia, yeah, yeah, for that year. Randomly, yeah. I don't know how I sort well, of Well, you that caught the most billfish, mate. It's pretty yeah, straightforward. Yeah, got lucky. Yeah, yeah. And what it is, we're both mad keen. We love our marlin fish. We love our billfish. You know, we're, we're into it. And so instantly hit it off from then on. But what's so unique about up here is it's got a sail fishery that is unlike anywhere else in the world. And we're going to go through it. And what we're going to do today is go through... Bomber's really played a real role. He won't admit to it, but he's played a real role in pioneering it and establishing it as... Well, it's pretty much a bait ball fishery, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's it is. Fish. I think now, knowing what I know now, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> so, it, and it's really unique. And what we're going to do is go through some of... We're going to really drill Bomber and get the details out of it and, and learn his little tricks of the trade and, and how it all works and what happens. And you're going to get a bit of background noise because we're sitting here having a can <laughs> underneath the house. The fans are going in the background. And we're in one of the most remote places. What is it? Basically, a bit of background on the island. It's a... So it's a mine. There's a mine here. And that's what Groot Island, I suppose, was... It was initially started being mined in 1966 for manganese as one of the, the best manganese deposits um, in the world. And it's the closest one to the market. And they're still mining. And they've got years and years to go. So it'll be over 50 years of manganese coming out of, of Groot Island. 
What is manganese? What's so manganese is used in... Yeah, I know. Sorry, mate. Come on. I thought everyone know what manganese is. Well, you're drinking out of your say. Yeti there. It's got stainless steel. So to harden the stainless you steel, you're going to need manganese. So with steel oh. production, you need manganese. Okay. So as much as iron ore gets pumped out and goes over to China and Everything Korea, everything in Australia else, goes overseas, mate. Exactly. We don't do anything. The that's right. No, we just give just them all going our backwards. ore. So uh, that's what the manganese gets used for, and um, yeah, and it's a, it's a, it's fortunately here for us so we could um have a job and and get to this awesome location of Groot island so there you go now let's get off Groot because we don't care about that we want to talk about the bill fishing here and it is now i fished here back in what did we work out oh nine 2009 yep. and in those days you trolled around you hoped for the best you caught the odd billfish you turned up about oh six we got here in 2006 we'd come from well i was originally from melbourne and we went, me and my wife uh, went on a trip around Australia for 18 months, which is now 18 years later. You're Still not like... the first person to tell me that. Do you know how many <laughs> people just go and then they're like, yeah, just keep going. Yeah, I stayed and just never go back. <laughs> yeah, well, that's pretty well what happened. It's like all my mates at home still laugh. It's just like, are you ever coming home to it? That's like, I think they've worked out now. Nah, it's not happening. So we, we went off and we went um, travelling around, fishing and gallivanting around the countryside, went over the west coast, lived in Perth for a little while. Then we were fortunate enough to live in Coral Bay, yep. just south of Exmouth on the Ningaloo Reef, and we had the, had the best job there and used to do a lot of fishing over there. And, and that's when I suppose I got my obsession to try to catch a billfish. Now, because I wasn't working in fishing, the fishing industry or anything over there, I was looking, doing maintenance and doing my usual carpentry work, um, I'd, every opportunity I'd try to get out and learn a bit more and I had an idea of what I thought what bill fishing was all about from, from Western Australia trolling yeah. lures and stuff like that and then when we kept going our trip after a few years uh, we got up to Darwin and, and then I tin asked a job out here on Groot Island as a, as a chippy and um, and basically the rest is history just sort of you know being able to keep a pretty good job here and and then the fishing um i suppose i'd heard about the bill fishing here and i, I remember going down there with the ideas of what i'd learnt from coral bay and the game boats over there um of how to fish for billfish and I, I did the same thing here i thought yep no worries i know exactly what to do um you chuck out some really good expensive uh pushes out the back resin heads $80, lures and with some big stainless hooks and yep we're going to get these fish and this is what it's all about and we're, I uh, quickly learnt that it was a very expensive exercise when I had a mob of mackerel come through one day and in about two seconds I lost about $200 <laughs> worth of lures like that bang gone and I was like I was sort of like half heartbroken I'm like we didn't, apart from the fact we never landed one of those fish those Look, lures are gone. There's nothing. Nothing. That, that just comes back in a bit of mono left at the end, just totally and utterly snipped. So for everyone overseas, a Spanish mackerel in Australia is like a... Well, it's like a king mackerel in the US. Yeah. I just think they're more aggressive. I think they're just... You know, they jump out of the water. They're just... They love lures. They love any expensive, I reckon, any you put out. So over here, they chop you off. They chew it up. They destroy everything. And they grow to... 50 kilos I suppose yeah. 50 plus kilos you know like they're big fish and yeah so you literally can't billfish with any mono stuff around them at all no no you've got to run wire if you're going to target the mackerel because of their razor blade teeth 
And even, like, just jumping in there. Yeah. We were filming. Now, we're, we're up here filming at night with Bomber for fishing with mates. And we were filming out the other side on one of really remote reefs, like way out in the Gulf of Carpentaria. And we're using hookless Halcos, like poppers, just to film them and get those shots. We've got these unreal shots. You'll see it when it goes to TV. Jumping out of the water and smashing it. We were losing them with no hooks in it and on wire, and they were still biting us off. Yeah, like that, that was it. Unbelievable. They were inhaling it, and then the other ones are coming through, and they were, some of them were that hard on it. They were actually snapping the wire. I know. It's just ridiculous. It's hard to explain to people, and this is why it sort of relates back to billfishing, is that you're in this water where these, these piranhas on steroids are racing around, smashing the crap out of everything. You just can't, literally, you can't fish from. And that brings us back to it. So, so you went down there, and when we say down there, the bottom end of the island, we're going to go in a bit of detail about the billfish here because they're very, which are mainly sailfish and small blacks, is it's quite unique. But the main fishery is down to the southern end of the island. So what's that, about 20 mile run down from... Yeah, 20, down, 24, 24 mile, roughly, 20, depending on where the fish are holding, but yeah. It's a, so you went through that at the start, you you, planned, you had big plans, you came home yeah. with no lures and... Yeah, I came home with no lures, uh, I did that a couple of times, then I started going for some cheaper version lures, Yeah. Um, because it was just like, wow, this is like ridiculous, I actually even ran wire on them for a little while because I just got sick of losing so many lures. Um, and this this sort of caper went on for a couple of years. I even went and started skipping garfish. I started doing a lot more research into what people were doing uh, fishing in Broome and stuff like that as well. So Broome is on the west coast of Australia, and it, it was for a while there it was an oh. unbelievable sail fishery. And it's really interesting there that now you catch a sailfish, and the numbers went from you know hundreds in a day down to between the fleet down to you know several. But now they're all getting eaten by sharks, yep. which I've never heard of. You had yeah, occasional billfish would get eaten, but not every one of them. Mm. It's a real issue over there. But that that was sort of a, a real hot spot, I mm. suppose, for Australia, wasn't it? That's you know? right. Absolutely. Like, everyone knew Broome was the mecca for sailfish. And I think that's when I started sort of really scratching my brain because I'm thinking, geez, like, I'm here where there's, there's supposedly all these sailfish. And I'm sort of scratching my head going, geez, what, why aren't we catching them? And what am I doing wrong? Um, you raising them at this stage? We're, we're raising a few fish. We're raising a few fish. And back then, I'm sort of like, we're going down. And if we raised a couple for the day, we'd come home and we were basically high-fiving each other. And it was like the talk of the town. Yeah, we raised a couple. Yeah, and if you got one, oh, geez, that's big news. You know, it's... oh. We got one. It is. It's like, it? wow. Yeah, we got one. That was like every finer detail of that fish um, would be would be known by everyone in town for weeks. Uh, and it's amazing to this day how, how that all sort of... Don't <laughs> worry, I look back when I used to marlin fish, you know, in the early days I'd troll lures around and you'd hook up striped marlin, you'd lose striped marlin, you'd troll around, you'd go, oh, I had three on today. Didn't have any on for more than about 30 seconds, but I had three fish on. You're so excited. Now I'm like man i lost one that's mm. not right so what happened though so you I started think, looking at what everyone was doing and trying to you know refine because no one was really catching were they nah. it wasn't like someone had it wide no one nah. was really you knew they were there that's as close as you got oh we, we everyone was coming up with theories and i mean we had a lot of a lot of different people living in town back then and we'd all be all be like trying to come up with plotting this plotting that you know typical fishing i suppose yarns and i was looking at that and i'd sort of have 
I'd honestly, I wouldn't say I had sleepless nights uh, stressing about I fishing. I guarantee you had sleepless <laughs> nights. I guarantee you'd be sitting there going, you little bastards, how do I figure you out? Don't exactly. Worry. Oh, that, well, that's, well, you know what I'm like with that sort of stuff where I sort of, the, the cogs are turning pretty hard. And um, after sort of thinking about and looking at the broom fishery and I remember, I remember skipping a lot of garfish for a while, thinking that was the go, and and using uh, the fine gauge hooks. But then we'd still miss a lot of fish. And so um, running teasers at that stage. We're still just... running some teasers. We'd run daisy chains the out the back, so the squids and all with no hooks, just on a rope, hard out the back with little bird fluttering away, which is, which is typical for most people who are who are sail fishing anywhere um, in Australia. You should see in the background, right? You've got Jim, who's up here fishing with us, because this is in the studio, and my other microphone's been stolen by the dog, and all you hear is this crashing and banging with him racing off after it, chasing it along. This is it. This is a level of professionalism. Now the dog's looking very disappointed. Oh, Mishka. the case. We've got the cameraman, Nixie, in the corner. He's put his headphones on. He's had enough of us. He's had absolutely enough of us after three days of fishing. Now the dog's on patrol. <laughs> anyway, this is level professional. Oh, oh, can we get back to the podcast, <laughs> mate? <laughs> You're nearly need Have a sip beer. of your beer and let's get back to the podcast, McGlashan. So after, like, we, I think, um, after sort of nutting a couple of those things out, I, I remember um, a couple of mates coming up and we fished in the Billfish Comp. It was about 2008. And I, I distinctively remember after the first day... We caught. We actually caught a long-tailed tuna that ended up being um, the Australian record that Andy Brincat caught. It was 19.1 kilo long-tailed tuna or northern bluefin tuna. And uh, we caught that. And that we spent 45 minutes on this, and he was dying on this fish. Like, he was just like, oh, I'm over. Like, this was, was actually hard work. And that was the time when I thought, as an inefficiency, we've actually wasted, we end up wasting an hour catching this fish. And that's when I'd heard about switch baiting and I sort of thought, well, hang on a sec, like, we've got to, let, let's change it up. And honestly, the next day we went out and I was like, nah, we're switch baiting. Even though we, we didn't catch a billfish at all the first day of that billfish comp. And then the next day we, we made a few errors and stuff. We got lucky, I have to admit, with our first fish. And I said, what we'll do is go out and catch some bait right and let's just rig them up and put some teasers out and we'll try to catch a fish and uh, we had like I'd, I'd done a little bit of study trying to work out how you think oh I switch baiting okay so that's getting a bait and you put the teaser out and the it's back. reading magazines in those days yeah, not like exactly. now we're talking the internet you actually read the magazines you know reading magazines Mag and blue water and all of, and modern fishing in those days and going oh because and it's interesting see that's 10 years ago that mm. Switch baiting was still very new. So now everyone goes, oh, well, I'd just switch bait. But this is, we're going back and sort of showing how the process worked. So you go back to it. Yeah, so what had happened, I remember, I distinctly remember that day because I even remember 10 o'clock left rigger. This is like, this is the detail I'll never forget. It was about a 40 kilo black marlin. And this, this black marlin came up on the left rigger and we had a bait there and gone, Andy, there's a fish out there behind it. And as you know, like the, the sails come up a lot of time and they'll thrash around. If Flick you, their bill yeah, yeah. and carry and, on. and sometimes the marlins will come up and just crack it or they'll just sit behind it. And the, the weather was perfect. About 10 o'clock, the light was up. You could see it. And it was like, that's a marlin. Or, well, at the time, I, I come in, it was a billfish. It was on the left rigger. So, Andy, we've got the bait. We've flicked out the back and we're skipping it over near the fish. And he's just come over and just and eaten it. Just gulped it. 
and and he's sort of looking at me, and I'm looking at him. I'm going, what, what happened? It's just peeling up. He's, he's got the bait. I reckon he's flicked the bailing arm over. And so he flicks the, the bailing arm over. Basically, <laughs> is what we've done. And then we're on, and we're like, okay, uh, right, I'll take it out of gear. I'm out of gear now. So I'm out of gear. Yep, perfect. Uh, bring all the gear in. So me and he, uh, Andy was here with his wife, and I remember we brought all the all the teas. We had that much crap out. Anyway, then we start sort of chasing down the fish really slowly, not aggressively like I'd do nowadays. So we're slowly into this fish and we got it up and we tagged this little black marlin after about, I don't know, 30 minutes. Mate, we were beside ourselves. We thought, oh, we've nailed it. So initially we're thinking, we've actually mastered the switch baiting thing. This We should have been doing this ages ago. Uh, we have plenty of errors after that. And then I rem- remember that comp, we must have caught four sailfish, one marlin, and I think we missed three fish. And uh, that was basically for me the start um, of switch baiting, and it just opened your eyes to it. And you've just gone, oh, this is yeah, it. That was it. And I think after having initial success doing something, that is a drive then to to then steer you in a direction that that is the path to take to catch those fish and go. You know what? I'm not skipping a garfish again. I'm not running a lure with a hook. I'd actually be confused to run a lure with a hook now. I would actually be... I, I don't even know a, what to do. Well, I remember... So, Jim, who's over fishing with us now, and he's been in the podcast a lot. remember when I met him, and he goes, oh, I've been trying for years to catch a marlin. I'm so desperate to catch one. I really want to catch one. I said, right, what are you doing? He goes, I've got all these expensive lures, same ones you've got. Yep. I said, I've got those. I dragged them around, hooked a few fish, and they all fall off and all that. I said, right, yeah. First thing you do is get all your lures and cut all the hooks off. And he's looking at me like, what? And I said, and he can either tow them around with no hooks in it because you hook the same amount of fish, or if you want to keep the hooks in them, throw them in the bin. Mm. And he's looking at me like, what? And then, of course, starts fishing with showing how to bait and you know switching and all that sort of stuff. Now catching more fish than us. He's like, what the hell was I ever doing? Like, it's just... And it's also the most exciting style as well. Absolutely. You've, you've got to be switched on. That's one thing I have learned over the years. There's lots of different things. Jesus, so many facets to it to um, to learn. But, I mean, a lot of people do start out, Al, as you, like as you did as well, and, and Jim, and most people will just go out and, and, and tow some lures around. and That's what you did. But you know what? People... And, and even back then, like, yeah, I was happy that we raised the fish... Um, miss the fish even though we were trolling the lures and it's disappointing that you don't catch the fish but it's an evolution to get you to a point you know what that's a really important point because what we've got in this day and era with you know social media and everything now under the stun is that we did the hard yards and went for years and years to catch a billfish yep that's basically what it was now the next generation are coming out and going out and catch them straight away and over on the east coast a lot of live baiting everyone's really starting to master switching and all these sort of things and pitching onto bait balls and all these sort of things but they haven't learnt like they haven't gone through the hard yards so there's a bit of a like you hear the younger crews out there now going oh I only caught six today and even my own kids like Coops and Tom Coops had got Grand Slam by you know nine years of age he caught all three mm. he's like hey it's not that hard but they don't realise, and I sometimes get angry with some of these kids going, oh, yeah, I caught six to eight mile and so easy. I went, no, they're frigging not, mate. No billfish is easy. You need to have mm. more respect for those fish because you didn't know what it was like because mm. we came up with the ideas exactly like this, sitting here going, what am I doing wrong? You know? Yeah, no, you, you're dead right. I think the uh, uh, some people, there's just sort of no, I guess, not, not as much appreciation for 
the information that's out there that's freely available. Yeah, um, which it never used to be. We had to go and find it and, exactly. and make it, was, it up. It was hard hard work and especially um when you talk about like this is a it's a different fishery up here with the with the sailfish and and it's a good little community and fishing club that we've got here on group where you know these days especially the the information and knowledge gets thrown around um of what to do and how to do it and go through different situations with people because people are keen to learn and and i mean i'll I'll happily tell anyone and i've got to say because part of the reason i was up here was that you know South 32, the mining company and the Groot Game Fishing Club, you know, got us up here to go and do a talk. And the community up here is absolutely awesome. They all want, they all love it. Like, what did we have the other day? You had a little comp that was just an impromptu one that you put together. 100 people And 100 people. And all the kids are in there fishing. All the girls are fishing. It's bloody great. The girls blitzed everyone, actually, too. They actually left all the blokes for dead. (laughs) It's funny, in Australia is the only place it seems where they're sexist against females fishing and i can say at least with Groot, it's not <laughs> everywhere else it's like you know they give them a different colored rod like it's different you know mm. instead they're all everywhere else together us all the girls are fishing in australia they don't seem to be fishing anywhere near as much and they get a hard time i remember one of the girls tell me she goes oh i went fishing and and yeah and they i went we're not in the one of the charter boats and they go oh I, you looking for a husband and she's like no i like catching billfish <laughs> and the blokes are staring at it. I'm going, how awesome is this? Yeah, but yeah it's unreal. Australia is really terrible with some things, you know. But on group, it was awesome, you know. Except they outfished us. We've got yeah, to, we to practice a bit more <laughs> to catch up with them, you know. Oh, I'll tell you what, Al. We just had our ladies comp actually a couple of months ago. There was 119 ladies. Really? Just, yeah. In that, and that, that was a full-on comp. It was actually a, a four-way tie. Went on a count back for the no ladies way. fishing comp with 39 teams of the 119 chicks in it. They had an absolute blast that and weekend. even your better half, Kill, when she came fishing with us, yeah, she was on it. <laughs> I loved it. She was, don't want to get this down. She was going oh. absolutely crazy on it. Like, I love the passion in it, you know? Oh, exactly. It was good that you actually got to see, because Kel, actually, talk about the, like, the females. Kel, um, t- my wife, she, it's like, she loves her sail fishing now, and she loves just the adrenaline getting down there. She's a little bit competitive, I have to admit. A little bit? Yeah. Well, she's competitive. She's a, I she's love it. She's fairly competitive, and... Uh, chasing down the sails and she just gets right into it and she, she fishes uh, actually she fishes a little team in the billfish comp and uh, the last few years she's done pretty well she's been champion angler and they actually they actually came second last year's billfish comp bloody hell see that's awesome um and they, they get right into it but um everyone in the town and the community really really hang on every little bit of information they can with uh, the billfish because I mean everyone wants to get one at the end of the day they love they love the hunt and the chase and, and the great thing about sales is it's not like some of those big black marlin or something just bloody hurt you you catch them fast they jump all over the ocean they're great they look beautiful and they swim off and release really well like they're just a nice fish to catch yeah it's really good eh? theatrical the, the drama and the the uh, entertainment that they, they put dance. on. They oh, dance. They dance. That's they? what it is. They bloody dance. They go yeah. mad. And then it is over quick and a nice, easy release. Awesome looking species. And then off you go. And I suppose, you know what? Saying on that too is that the tackle's changed. You know when you are saying earlier on, everyone yeah. used to do this stupid line class thing, torture <laughs> the fish, fight them for hours on, you know, six and ten kilo, which is really good if you're a master at it, you can get them quick. 99% of people can't do it because it's a real art form to catch fish on light tackle. So they catch these poor things on light gear and then, you know, A, you'd lose a few, mm. so they're all swimming around with all that line out there. Now, I love the fact how it's changed and it's become 
We're fishing heavier tackle, although it's not really heavier, it's still light. But we're using braid, which doesn't break. You're getting the fish up quick. And I've been jumping in the water with all the fish we've been catching. They're all swimming off. They're actually probably a little bit scared because I'm in the water sometimes. That's Look at right, they were. Pink there were some of them very scared, I have but, to admit. Yeah, poor little things. That's probably more, that's even harder than actually catching them light tackle. I reckon when I jump in next to <laughs> poor bloody things. I think some of them were in shock today. I think some of them. Well, one actually swam over. Like I jumped in, you hooked the fish. <laughs> And Jim hooked another one, and it stopped and looked, and you can see it going, what the f- is that? Is that a walrus? I yeah. didn't realise I'd see, never seen it's a, a war- walrus. War- walrus. And it paddled over and had a look and just, I swear to God, it shook its head and swam <laughs> off. It's just like, it was wrong. But, but yeah, so the line classes, you know, all the Shimano gear, like, yeah, those Therese rods, which, are, you know, in the old days, I'd be catching snapper with those, and mm. here we are catching 30 kilo sails on them. Well, well, actually, it's funny you mention that, because I look back to those, the early days, and we were using overheads with 15 kilo, 10 kilo mono, and then, then the point scoring thing, and you'd be using six kilo mono and eight and all this sort of jazz. And we end up getting to a point where, uh, within, within the club and group, where we actually found that the battle wasn't actually just using the line class, just actually catching a fish was the, what we're after, and encourage people to firstly catch and hook the fish, don't stress about trying to break a lucker band fishing line that you're on. Get the fish in fairly quick, place the tag in a good spot, and then let the fish go. And then, you know, and then it's it's done. And not hear of, oh, it took me an hour to get it in. It's like, geez, an hour on a sailfish? That's mm, not right. It's not, and it's not good for the fish, and that's a big part of it. Now, going back to it, so you started switchbaiting. Yep. You know, and which obviously for guys that don't know, and girls, mm. and kids is that you're trolling teasers, the fish come up exactly as you said, then you pitch the bait down to it and mm. you catch it. So you started doing that because we we rarely did that while we fished with you, so you've evolved even further since then. Yeah, so the, the switch baiting uh, process, I guess, Al, was exactly what you said. We, we went from a stage where we were running, you know, we've gone from running hooks and stuff like that and then we've gone to snipping all the hooks off, literally ran the lures uh, without, we literally cut, the hooks off and just ran those around ran a couple of daisy chains and we'd rig up a couple of rods and have a couple of baits and we'd we'd wait for the fish to raise come up to the back and then we'd chuck the bait in skip the bait back and there was a process just in an art form in just doing that skip it back in front of the fish and and getting that right as well mm. making sure that the bait is in front of the fish um the fish isn't he's up on the teaser He's not going to go and start looking for a bait that's just you've skipped so he's and let. transfixed. Exactly. He's on that teaser. So it was absolutely critical at the start. And this took a little while to learn these sort of little bits and pieces of just the fish comes up, process. It's like, and as you probably worked out, I was pretty harsh on my uh, processes. It's an important part of being a good fisherman. The, um, the bait would be ready to go. So we'd go, first thing is, bang, the bait would go in, start skipping the bait back in the clean water, get it in front of the billfish. Person number two, whoever that is on the boat, is just straight in while either I'm screaming at them or someone else is screaming at them. Rip the teaser that they're fixated on out of the way, straight away, just rip it straight off the fish. So pulling that straight away from them so that then the fish that's sitting there in the water then is- looking. Yeah, exactly. And he's just like, he's keen to eat and you have just presented him with a Big Mac right in front of him and he just wants to come and go, and I'll take that bait because that's, that looks exactly like the bait I was eating on that bait ball before because you caught it that morning. Good, that's, fresh bait. And that's an important part. And for anyone that's switch baiting, 
it is the biggest team effort out of any style of fishing I've ever done. You know, you've got the fish coming in on the, you pull the teaser out of the way, and then the bait literally switches in and replaces it, and the fish goes, yep, bang, and eats it. And it's really important for everyone out there is that you, you sit there and you understand that, you get the team working together, you've got a designated angler, you've got a designated crew member, you've got someone else on the other rods that's going to pull him out if another fish comes up or you're gonna, if he's going to swap over, and your angler's got to be alert. You can't be asleep on the deck. You're up there no, no. looking the whole time. Because yeah. we find when we go fishing, you know, some blokes go, oh, I'll start cracking cans, and they'll... <sighs> if I sleep, you go... Mate, this is a visual sport. Mm. This isn't one that you sit back in the game chair and hope for the best. We're oh, there to no. catch fish, you know? It is. It's hard work. But so what happened then? So Because you don't switch bait now. No. Nah, you don't switch bait well, as much. Okay. Well, we, we, we are set to switch bait because when we're switch baiting, we're basically trolling around traditionally expecting fish to be raised up to the back of the boat. And, and you're looking out the back of the boat and that's what you're doing. So we're set up at the back. We've got our process. We're ready to rock and roll. But the rods and the reels, the, those big Saragossas and the Therese uh, rigged up with the baits are ready to switch bait, but we can use exactly the same gear for pitch baiting. Now, pitch baiting is where it gets its game on time. You're not looking out the back all the time, and this is where I'm looking out the front on the binos, and I seriously would spend 80% of my time... 90%. Out, on the binos, out the front, looking searching at birds looking for every single telltale and it's not even the birds i mean uh, as we saw this morning it's even just been or even in yesterday um spotting fish just spotting fish just going yep selfish just there and it's like what it's just like 100 meters just over there on the 45 degrees off the bow and it's like what because uh, you just see that tail or a fin come up anything a little sign exactly the littlest sign and that's that observation, isn't it? You've yep. got to be looking at all times. You know, it's funny what you say, and this is one thing I remember when, and this goes back to trolling lures, is that, oh, you've got to watch the spread nonstop and you don't take your eyes off it. I remember that's what I was being mm, told. That's right. Well, no, you've got hooks in the bloody thing. You're not going to get it if it's not going to eat it anyway. Yes, that's so And so true. you're wasting all that energy looking mm. at something that's already going to be in the spread than looking out the front, out to the side, because it's a massive ocean. Like you said, a, little, a sailfish pops over to your left 100 metres and you're driving straight, no chance. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got to be, don't worry about the spread that much. If you're switching, you still have to put one person watching it. Everyone else, binos up the front where you are, eyes out the side, everyone up looking, no one's sleeping, get out and be looking. Exactly. Because classic today, remember when we are going along and it calmed right out? Yep. Wait, what's that, a turtle or something? It was that little flick and all it obviously was was the very tip of his fin when we first saw it. And Jim was saying, he goes, the hell is that? And we obviously sparked our interest because it yep. didn't look right, disappeared, and then it popped up and then it turned and then everyone's gone, sail! Yes. Now, that then went down but we drove over, raced over, put the baits in and caught it. Straight away. And all it was that split second where we saw it and Instantly, it's game on. Yeah, it was. And that that is just like those little tiny things that you're saying, Al. It's just like you, you've got to be watching and have a crew that's switched on. And I suppose I'm, I'm sort of like a little bit motivated to keep pushing everyone to make sure that they're, they're you know, game on and they're watching and, and they're paying attention to what's going on to every single little thing. And, I mean, drilling the people, I suppose, into the birds and then... People who don't know what they're looking for with the birds or the littlest thing will just say, Attention oh, to detail. What's that bird over there doing? And, and at times, like when Jim or yourself or even Nick 
who's uh, Nick's our cameraman. The cameraman. With mates. He's he even go. What's that bird over there doing? If and I'll just sort of turn around on the binos and I'll go. Oh no, that one there's uh, just on surface bait. That's fine. Or you might turn around and go. Nah, he's just travelling. Or actually, no, no. Hang on a sec. Watch. Yep, turn. So wait up. Now Kel's just come home from work. She's <laughs> she's been out working. We we've all been fishing. But how funny is it that remember when we're fishing, and we're all looking out the front. We're all looking out the side. We're all looking everywhere. That's right. And she turns around and goes. Hey, bummer, what about all the birds out the back? We turn around, all the birds are going in. There's like 10 sailfish. We're like, yeah, we'll go over there now. Yep. So, yeah, when we say look out the front, look out the side, yeah, look out the back as well. Yeah, or look just out take Kel and she'll spot them for you anyway. Yeah, but that, that's it. But it's a team effort and it's teamwork. All work. the time. And do you know what? Because some people have unreal eyesight, some don't, but it's everyone looking everywhere at all times going, oh, what's that? What's that? Anything out there. And that to me is so important that. Look in front, look everywhere for any sign, because it's a massive ocean. Mm. And how do you know the sailfish is 100 yards to your left, 200 metres to your right, 500 metres in front of you? You want to drive over the top of him, because if you don't put your gear in front of him, you're not going to catch him. Exactly. So that, that that is so important that I've found over the last, I suppose, you know what, actually it was probably ever since when I met you when we were down in Sydney, since then, that is when we had a massive year and I learnt a lot about um, What's with, a massive year? Tell me how many. Uh, that year was 106. I think the biggest effort in a season were tagged in 12 months was 179. In oh, really? A, in a season. Now, bear yeah. in mind that you're talking a community of a dozen or so boats that go down there and fish. Regularly, it, it, yeah. Yeah. Like, this, it's, that's, this is the great thing about Groot. It's such a tiny place, like a little tight-knit community, and so it's not like a big port, you know, somewhere in, say, Guatemala or something like that where there's heaps of boats going out. No. It's literally just a bunch of blokes and a bunch of girls going fishing, and they're massive numbers. Yeah, we've got lucky a couple of times. Um, and I think there's more than like I think you make your own luck there, mate. Don't you worry about that. I always like to think of it as you're finding a needle in a haystack down there because there's no, there isn't exactly what you said, there's no pressure from massive um, boats um, systems that, I mean... Um, a lot of anglers down there fishing. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. the thing is, the few of us in town that are on, we're all mates and all talking. Every single person's trip will get that information gets translated. Everyone so everyone knows. Okay, where'd you go? Yeah, I was in the suburbs. I was west of the suburbs. I was at the kink. I was north, south. The bait was here. Okay, yeah, yeah, no. So we, every little bit of information you hang on to and go. Okay, that's going to help me with my next trip to get to where Bingo. I'm going to get to. And you know the best part about that. So in places like back in Sydney and all that, where the younger generation, they seem to fish for likes. They don't seem to worry about the fish. All they want to do is put it on social media and go, I caught more fish than someone else. And they don't always actually catch them. They use old photos and all these things. To have it here where it's an actual community go, oh, you know, like your phone's been ringing hot. You know, How'd you go yesterday? Did you get them? Oh, you found three. All oh, right, there's six fish. Oh, good. So there's a few fish there back to old basics where people actually talk to each other rather mm. than putting up for invisible friends on Facebook or you know Instagram or something and get fake <laughs> likes or something you know you just go what the hell it's yeah. just so frustrating so going back to it mm. so you, you've started switching and you're starting to get a bit of success but how did that turn to where you're now you're fishing bait balls the whole time and pitching into bait balls I think there was a few times in that 2011-12 season um, when we, we did really well we had a massive year I mean um, that that was it was I, when, I, when I met you down there our club as a club I think collectively we tagged like 440 fish it was a it was a big year 
And I remember that year, now and then, you'd sort of be trolling around with the gear at the back, switch baiting, and you'd see a heap of birds, you'd be like, oh yeah, over there, and we'd troll past the birds. And sometimes the, the bait, uh, not the bait, the billfish would come off, and they'd come up into the spread, and, you, and you'd uh, catch and switch the fish. You'd be like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. And then we started getting to a point where we're like, geez, these birds, like these birds are really right on top of these bait yeah, balls that have got several fish on them. And that cracker year we had, and that's easily the best year we've ever had here, where it was just absolutely out of control collectively as a club. Um, we still missed a lot of fish, but we we had so many opportunities at so many things, and it really sort of quickly made you learn so yeah, fast. Start, and that's being a good angler is picking up those little points and going, you know what? Those little turns always flick to the left or mm. go to the right or do something. When they do that, they're on a sailfish. Mm. Those are the key, that's those key points that make you stand out. That all of a sudden you start going, hang on a second. There were little things all the time, Al. You're spot on. It was it was like okay, all of a sudden that, there was a cauldron. We used to call it like it looked like a cauldron above. The birds would be just be up. I in like this, that like, cauldron. Yeah, a cauldron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a congregation of sailfish. Would be on a bait ball, and above it there'd be a cauldron. It'd be just straight up like swirling mob. Of billfish turns, sailfish turns, and you sort of quickly learnt that they were all the bigger. The bigger birds were on the bigger baits, and the little tiny tuna birds that flutter around that never, or the little tuna falcons, the other birds that we get up here, are never ever on the billfish. So they're away. So you quickly, we quickly started to distinguish. Okay, that's the bird we're after. There's also the booby birds, which are the big black yep. gannets. They look like a gannet, but they're a dark brown colour. Yep. Very common in the uh, northern part of Australia. And also world famous frigate birds, which is yeah. obviously billfish famous. Wherever there's frigates, there's, there's billfish. There's 100%. billfish. Do you know it's funny you say that because for me, I remember in the early days I went and read up on all the different birds. Now, to give you an idea, I went to a library. So for the younger generation, a library is a place where you go and read books. Oh, you right. don't look it up on the internet. <laughs> you go in and read them up. And what I did was I learned all the different birds and go, oh, and you know what? Exactly said. So your booby birds eat the bigger pilchards and the sardines and the smooth trevally and all the bigger stuff, whilst those little white tiny little terns eat the little tiny eyes and tiniest white bait, yeah. which are what the tuna are feeding on. That's right. So whilst the bigger ones, the pilchards and that, which the you know, sailfish are feeding on, all of a sudden the birds are telling you everything you need to know. Mm. And like you said, you get that year and all of a sudden you go, wait a minute. Yeah, and that, right. that really changed it for you. So it that was did. when it really you started going. Hang on a the second. The penny dropped. Oh, you I could love say the penny dropped. The penny dropped. Well, that was the that was the year the penny really dropped, and you sort of start looking at those birds and going, yeah, right. And and you get a bit like, yep, I've got it, I've got it. You keep learning. Obviously, you didn't. I didn't. You really, never stop learning. I, I didn't really got it. <laughs> but you were getting it. You were <laughs> getting, getting it slowly. It. You were getting, we were it getting slowly. there. So those birds and that that would become a real lead indicator. So I went and uh, invested in a good pair of binoculars. And um, that was pretty well it. I started then spending a bit more time on the binoculars and we started having some good days and and a lot of the time be like, oh, we've got to go over there. And I mean, geez, I look back now and, and now we're talking about this. It's funny, I think, um, like we've, I'd be on, like you would have seen over the last couple of days, I'd just turn the boat and that's like anticipation for everyone. Like, what'd you see? And it's like, Yep, bring it in, yep. and everyone's like, quick, bring, bring everything in. So the, the first job is, bang, bang, bring the daisy chain in. And as soon as the daisy chain in, my process is, so whoever's on the daisy chain, I'm eyeballing dead ahead. So you've got a picture that I'm driving the boat, 
I'm looking at birds that might be 90 degrees out to my port side. I am waiting for someone out the back to say, Daisy chains up. That means for me, go time. Because the two outriggers that I've got, I've got 130 pound Dacron yep. on so I can pull it away from any fish with no hooks in it. The other, once that daisy chain's in, everyone's just cranking those in and they can do and that. you can do that while you're running. Exactly. If I'm doing 30 knots, if it's flat or 20 knots, whatever I'm flying it to get to those birds as quick as I can, it's in, bang, process. Then we straighten up, we, we get there as soon as we can, all the gears out of the water. Because I remember what I used to do. I couldn't believe I did this now, thinking... I know, it's embarrassing I, you look I back know, and I know, just look go, back and go, geez, I, I destroyed some daisy chains. And we're like, yep, yeah, over there. So I'd just boot it and leave the daisy chain out the back. And all those little squids... <laughs> we're all floating all around the middle of the ocean. Without all be at the back and the whole daisy chains all buggered. And it's just like, oh, geez. So I, I learnt the hard way, <laughs> losing a we fair bit learned, of gear. We all learnt, but you know what you learn. And what we should say here... Is, so the technique we were talking about how we were switch baiting, you still switch bait, switch bait, but you're actually looking the whole time for those bait balls where the, the sails have pushed the bait up and then obviously you've seen on the mm. birds and they race over and this is where this teamwork really comes into it. You know, Jim and I are down the back, well I'm normally on the camera now, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, like Jim do all the work, pulls up and he goes, it's up and then you race. And one thing you haven't mentioned that's really important is if they're in the distance, I noticed you'd bring the, the um, autopilot round Get yeah. the bearing and then go press the button. Yes. So you're on that bearing because mm. it's really bizarre or it's just, it's a common mistake. You go, they're over there. And when you're driving, you're actually veering out to the left or to the right. And, you know, mm. you end up about 20 degrees off. You go the wrong birds. You don't see the birds. And they're way over there. You pinned it. Autopilot going, yep, gears up. Right, accelerate. Yeah. Pointing straight up. Because it, it is then, it's crucial to be there at time. And then I also noticed at this stage, as we're ra- racing in, you're going, right, Bait on the left has got the, the live bait. Bait in the middle has got a you know, dead bait because we've got the three baits all rigged. And every podcast we've ever done has said the same thing. The gear is ready before you get on the fish. Absolutely. It has to be 100%. So Jim's got it ready to go. Bucket's there. And then as you come in, you've just sort of developed a system because you've got a North Bank, which is a, a runabout style, which I think, I'm not a runabout, like a, a center cap. Yeah, walk around. And I'm pretty sure it's the only one Rob's ever done. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Rob's the bloke who makes them, by the way. North Bank boats, yeah, yeah, yeah. down in South Australia. So you made him make you one. So he's made them all with you know, South Australia because it's all bloody cold and windy down there. Yeah, they're, they're in all North full cabin. cabins. <laughs> and you've gone, no, nah, I want to be able to walk around the front. Yeah, absolutely. And we've actually made a little modification, which you would have seen with that grab rail on the front. Yeah. So when I am going a little bit crazy on the wheel and you've got something to hang on to for your own safety at, at waist height. So you can imagine the bow rail just goes around, say, 300 mil above the uh, the deck that you're standing on at the front and then I've got a grab rail that bends over the top that's welded on in fully in stainless and you can just hang on to that and lean on and it's at waist height so it's nice and convenient. You can lean against it and hang on it and we should also add that up here because you're in the Gulf of Carpentaria you don't get the big seas like you get on the east coast or the west coast you're not open ocean you know you, you've got a sea there but it's not you know generally speaking so when we're saying that he can scoot round. He's opened up the murk and he's screaming across at 25 knots at these birds. So you're hanging on for dear life. And Jim's down the back trying to get the gear ready and we're trying to get the camera gear ready. So what's your technique as you come in on them? Because you're obviously watching them non-stop, yep. trying to work out which way they're going because they don't go in a straight line. No, I'm, I'm then trying to work out a couple of things. Depending on how fast the how fast they're moving, if there's more than one fish, if there's dolphins feeding with them. So when the dolphins... The competition is excellent. 
Um, and that's the time when I like, I like to know if I've got a dead bait because I might actually say, okay, get that dead bait to start. Someone starts skipping that out the back. As and, you come in. As we come in. And you might have seen oh, a couple of times how you've noticed how I'll get that bot rod and I'll go, Jim, just give me the dead bait. I'll chuck it at the back. I'll skip that in. You go around the bow. Because if I'm skipping a dead bait out the back, I'll just drive the boat. I'll take it off the autopilot once I get really close and, and I'm tr- right on top. And I'll just skip that bait out the back as we're going and I'll just hold that out the back of the boat. And Jim or whoever else is on the boat can be yep. on the bow with a livey, ready to go, and they just give him a drink of water on the side as we slowly go in. So that's when, so that's when you've, as you're coming in, you're going right. I'm not sure whether because if you know where they are, you just run in, bang, yep. cast there, cast, cast. When you can see him smashing, and if you want to see something exciting, watching sailfish on the surface mm. smashing bait, I don't care how many times I see it. It is bloody awesome. It yeah. is such excitement. And then you know, casting a bait down. And they're right in front of you, mm. and they just said, "Just because you're sight fishing." Yeah, you are. It's 100. You're sight fishing. So the person on the bow has great vantage, and you're right on top of these fish. So you're just sort of encroaching in on them, and because their agility on these sailfish, they can just move and turn so fast. And the, as we saw with the dolphins, with them, they'd be pushing the bait. Sometimes there, we were trying to chase them. They're doing five knots pushing a bait ball along. It was absolutely oh, man, that was hard yeah. work. We didn't, never caught those fish. Um, but because it's, it's just because you can't put the bait behind it. I think that's something that's really important. You don't drive up, and the fish swim across the left, and then you cast out the front. No, you don't. They don't eat from the tail first. No, that's a they fail. Eat, you've got to get in front of it. Hundred percent. So there's a fair bit of skill there where it's not just the skipper. It's a skipper. It's the yeah. You know, if you've got Kel up on the front there, cast. Mm. She's got to get that cast in front. So you've got to get the boat right, and then you've got to consider wind because you can't cast these baits in, can you? You can't just rip it and just flog it in no. like you're doing a, you know, a stick baiting or something. No. You've got to lob it. Yeah. So you're not super accurate. So then you need wind. So you're trying to come in on the windward side. Then you've got to make sure the fish are going the right way. You're doing like 20 jobs at one. And for us blokes, that's pretty impressive. You can do more than one job. <laughs> no, but you've got to be, you're dead right, Al. You've got to get a, a few things, and you would have noticed how I hook around sometimes because I'm not directly going at it. I'll get close. And trying I'll, to get in front. And trying to get in front. And I was remember a couple of times there just explaining, especially with Jim and, and yourself, just with the process that what I was doing, where you're going, I've just got to hook around and get upwind of these guys so it's easier for us to cast downwind we can cast further it's easier to maneuver the boat and we can also then just drift down stealth wise if the bait ball holds up and it's easier for us to maneuver the boat onto the fish rather than trying to go into the wind and you can't get a cast in and you'll get frustrated and you're not giving yourself the best shot at trying to get in front of the fish and you've got to be in front of the fish you have to be that's the key you've got to be in front of the fish so you come in on the bait mm. and you get the up on the bow, you've got the bait in front of the fish, bang, you're on. And now if we were going in and I was say say I was skipping that bait in yep. and we're out of gear, I would actually just free spool that bait out the back if it was dead. Um, and if we've got like, you know, there's usually a couple of us on the boat and I've got one person that's on, I always like to get first person bang right in the top of the fish. Yep. And then once they sort of see that, okay, there's two, three, four fish, it's like, oh, there's a fish over there. That's when the other person would cast in and go for the double, the triple, and the ultimate of like a quadruple if there's four of you on board. Because you've got to be looking out for that second, third fish because these guys travel around, sometimes they're solo, but they're not solo as well as you saw today. Yeah, and they're quite... Now, the funny part you hear saying about that is we're overfishing the Monte Bellos where there's mm. massive numbers, oh, yeah. but there's no bait balling at all. So it's all trolling teasers and, and getting them up. And we were having it there where there were... I think we were getting six-way hookups, one after the other, and I was in the water 
and this is with the guys from Blue Lightning, and there's fish everywhere around me. Mm. Everyone's hooked up to fish, and they're swimming all around me as well. Like, they're massive pods, but over here, they're smaller pods, but even though you still say that they're hooked up on the bow, your bait's out the back drifting out, which is imitating a fish that's been belted, you know, one that's just, you know, wafting down. I should also mention, we didn't say this, is that you've caught the bait on the ground, so you're yep. matching the hatch. So Absolutely. wherever you fish, you match the hatch. And then you've got, so then you're instructing the other guys, because you've obviously got all the rods baited up, and this goes back to the same old thing. You must have everything rigged and ready to go. Absolutely. So you've got it on the bow, then say yours down the back, and mm. then of course, oh, there's a sail. And how many times does a sail swim past the boat where you're uh, catching others? We, you know, well, it's funny you mention that. The guys, when we fish in the comp with my team, and I spend a lot of time, as you see, in the helm, They'll be up the front, they're all excited, pump, jump in and this, that, the other. And I've done it a couple of times where I don't want to blow my own trumpet here, but if I'm champion angler out of the helm, because the thing is, I'll be the one that's going, fish just went straight on the boat and I'm just run straight at the back. And you and probably, a bait out, and yeah. you, you saw how quickly I, well, as soon as I get the opportunity, bang, I'm out the back, just free spawn and bait out the back because the pod has just turned around on the bait ball. The bait ball goes under the boat. And so do Someone's the up the front, they've chucked in and they haven't reacted quick enough, run around the back and just free spawn out the back, bang, and you're on and you're going, Oh yeah, I'm on here. Sorry, fellas. And like, oh what? It's like, and then baits start screaming in, and oh well. But that's what you've got to have all bases covered as well, because they are agile and they can move around so quickly. And on that same note, I did also notice that you kept, you know, you're on on the crew all the time, going right. All those rods rigged and ready. Yeah. Anything need to be changed? We're coming. You got five minutes. We're coming on the bait. All right, swing around. Okay, what's the one on the left? That's the live bait. Okay, the one in the middle is a dead bait, and you've got a sardine that's sort of semi-live yeah. on the right. So being that, and that's where the skip is really important. Every switch baiting or chasing these bait balls, you need to go, right, this is what the fish are. You need to know what your baits are. I've had it where even with supposed professional crews, we're racing up on a bait ball and, you know, mainly more for marlin over on the east coast. They yeah. go, right, everything ready to go, everything ready to go. And they're like, yeah, yeah, drive up next to it. And I go... And I'm watching because I'm just doing photos a lot of the time. And I'm like, they go up and they go, right, someone rig up a bait. Oh, no, fail. And I'm like, this is all done before you get in. <laughs> oh, no, they've all been on the cans late to the night before. They're all ratchet. They can't even do the bloody job. I'm like, have the baits rigged and ready to go as you're coming in? Right, bang, we're on. It just, you know, that does that's not why you make, get the numbers. That doesn't make sense to us at all. Because at the end of the day, like you said earlier, it's like, people, like everyone goes fishing for different reasons, okay? So that's something you've got to be mind, you're mindful yep. of. i got to catch fish because that's why it's called fishing. That's right. So for me, it's it's a game, it's a hunt, it's adrenaline, it's a, it's a chase, getting mates and new people onto fish and, and show them all that. Some people just like to go and sit next to a river and meander around. I'd suggest sticking to that rather than going and chasing billfish if you're interested in just yeah. not doing too much. Well, I've much. actually told some of these blokes over the years that have thought they're really good billfishermen that... You know, spend more time rigging the gear than actually catching fish that they should take up golf. But anyway, we won't go into those blokes. Preparation, preparation, preparation is, preparation is critical. It's So when you talk about that, and you would have seen with process for me, so that's why, like, when we go into those things, there's so many strategies and things going through my brain as I go in because I'm basically going to... 
It's like nearly going to war with the sailfish, and I'm thinking, okay, what bait have I got here? I've got a dead bait, skip bait. I've got that sardines got alive. Okay, that trevally is that smooth trevally is going to swim down harder and faster than what the sardine will. I've got the skip bait that I can throw out, but then I can entice a fish if I crank that in to come up potentially next to the boat. If the fish goes down, put the trevally down. Put the trevally so you down. can free spool that and do what I'd call a hail mary, where you're sort of doing a half. And that worked a few times Do you know for what? us. This is important. Now, for people listening, that sounds really logical. Oh, the trevally's going to swim down. You race over, the birds have gone down, or the fish have gone down, the birds have sort of spread. And then the guy's just chucking a bait out and hope for the best. No, no, trevally first. He's going to go mm. down because they're going down. So he's going to go down. We'll put dead bait out the back, and as we go forward slowly, that might bring them back up. This That's is right. really, it sounds really simple. But the blokes don't do it. The crews just sit there and they just chuck one out. The What did you chuck out? Oh, the rod I had. Mm. And this is where it's really important that you've got to be onto it. And that's the only way you're going to get numbers. Now, what I found really interesting, in fact, fascinating, is you guys have got such an exclusive fishery here to go out. So to give you an idea on this listing, we went out and we caught a tagged fish which is awesome. I've got a few over the years. It's like, this is, un it's always a big note for us. And you're like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, I've got a few here. I went, oh right, that's pretty cool. So a bit later on, we'll got another fish, another tag fish. In the space of a couple of days, we've got three recaptures. And for me, I've never done that. And I've never heard of a single person ever in my life getting two recaptures, I might add, in a day. And you're like, oh no, I've got, we've got recaptures couple of day a few times but the great thing is you work in with the billfish foundation mm. and what i love the most is that we came straight in here's the stats you've got all the stats here yeah. you've got a massive recapture rate it's what an amazing fishery to me like how good is it and you must be blowing their minds you know Ellen and all those people at the Bill Fishing Foundation, you go, yeah, caught another one, caught another one. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's pretty funny, actually. That's, that's a good point, Al. It's, it's, uh, it's changed a lot over the last few years with uh, the recaptures just out of control. Last year alone, we had 19 recaptures out of the 190 fish uh, that were tagged for the club for the year. 10%. Uh, 10% uh, recaptures last year. Now, previous years to that, we're at about 4 to 5%. Uh, and as much as you've been fortunate this week to be there for the double recapture and another recapture, uh, we've already had another recapture this year. And I think for the club, we've got, say, nearly 50 fish for the year. And we've had, I think, four or five recaptures already. So we're sitting, well, there you go. We're still sitting at that 10%. Um, so that's pretty good. That's fascinating. But you know, one thing that I think is really important there that you've done mm. Don't take the fish out of the water. Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. You, and you won't say it yourself, but you've been instrumental in changing that. And don't get me wrong, we all did it. You oh, did it. Yeah, did I've it. done and it. Don't worry. This is what's important is it? it's understanding and going forward because we didn't know that we were doing anything. It's like when I started marlin fishing, I'd used 12 O stainless hooks. Oh, that's right. And I, mean I didn't know. And now, and then all of a sudden, you've got everyone up here, and this is what I love about Groot, is that everyone's stepping up the plate going, what can we do to make it better? Mm. And lo and behold, fish aren't coming up and being dragged out of the water, who've just fought, and then taken photos, and well, fancy that, your catch rate, your a recapture rate is going up. Yeah. 
that that's um that's been a massive thing actually it really has and a lot of that is um with the keep and wet stuff that people are on about and and it isn't it's made a big difference not many people on group you ever see fish out of the water when they're they're going they to get look a photo better in the water if you want Absolutely. a good photo you pull it up beside the boat you revive it a bit you get the circle look out of the corner of the mouse because the great thing with sails they actually come out quite easy not as easy on marlin and stuff but sails they just pop just out pop easy pop out yeah and turn him on his side there a bit and pull out the sail make sure his head's just you know got the water breach so he's got water over his gills and then get down the back of the boat with a wide angle have the camera ready to go before yes. and then turn the boat so the sun's on the fish and get the guys or girls or everyone that wants to be in the photo mate it looks like they're such beautiful fish exactly and that, do that's it quickly yeah that's right and that's what we do nowadays so we will have the same again i mean all about process um same thing fish comes up tag the fish get the gloves sorted out talking to the crew put the glove on your left hand or your right hand because it's on that side of the boat so you get the photo Back right to communication same as you're catching the fish it's all the communication team members will come over help put the glove onto the angler while they're still fighting the fish get that on someone else will go in get the leader bring it over grab the fish down close on the billfish which is really important with the sailfish because their bill is is a lot longer for the size of the fish yep. as opposed to the marlin, uh, a, a black marlin or a blue marlin. Striped marlins will have a long beak, um, but the sailfish is quite long, so you don't grab them at the very end because you can snap them. Yep. Um, and we saw that one today that was jumping bent around. Bent out the side, that, that yeah. Was on, bent out the side. There was another one that was stumpy that was snapped. and So grab that there, and then it's basically keep the boat in gear. It's yep. really important. A lot of people take the boat out of gear and just leave it out of gear. Keep the boat in gear, keep the, <clears throat> keep the fish swimming, get the camera ready, keep his head down, relax him, pull the hook out, get everyone set up, turn the boat around, get in the right position. That's someone's outboard going in the background, if you can hear that. That's someone <laughs> just starting their outboard, watch it. And it is. And do you know the other important thing with that is that now a few people will say, it'll be, you'll see all my underwater with it, you'll notice the prop, we are out of gear. We... This is not, when you look after billfish, for us there's a safety issue because you've got myself in the water. So someone's watches. We take it out of gear for a little bit to do the photos. We put it back in gear because the priority for us is to make sure that fish swims away. Because do you know what? Every single one of them is too precious. Yeah, well, I saw that this week, Al, how we did it. And I mean, that was there was a lot of yelling. Like, you're in the water and you can't really hear me as well. But I could see pretty well where you're situated. Yeah. So I'd be yeah, in observe. gear and I'm, I'm turning around... I'm basically driving the boat around you, so I'll be in gear, keeping I'm not the boat built going. To swimming after the boat, That's just right. to be clear. But I'll tell you what, those flippers, those carbon fiber flippers you got, mate. Jeez, I tell you what, you can move you see them. How quick even, you go down, and disappear. You can disappear after them. But you're right with that. So we had some momentum on the boat, so we'd be underwater, still moving. moving, and then we're going around a circle. The fish are swimming, and then you you just yell out, "Out of gear!" And so once you screamed out, out of gear, I'd take the boat out of gear, the momentum's still going, you'd be getting a few snaps going, yep, 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 that's all good. Then you're like, yep. And then I'd just put it back into gear, we'd keep going, and then we'd release the fish. And that's for your safety, but it was really good communication to do that. But all those fish come off well. Like, I love it. So being observe, observing them in the water and seeing how they behave, like you swim down beside them. If you jump on our Instagram and Facebook page and YouTube and all the things, you'll see some of the shots. And there's one where I'm swimming down beside it and it's going along beside us and it's just absolutely amazing. So the photography, Al, that's what you're world famous for. Like, honestly. It is. Do you, know, do you know what? 
it's become well you saw it over the last few days absolutely instead of catching fish i'm like all i want to do is get in and film them tell me about it and it's like i don't for me now i just love getting those those shots because the big thing for me is that you capture those photos you know we see it you know when we're saying oh the selfish smashing the bait looks awesome you go home and tell people they go oh yeah but when you've got a photo mm. they actually get to see it for me photography is a really important way of showing people how amazing it is out there and if they see it they appreciate it if they appreciate it they want to look after it you've got all these greenies out there that want to lock it all up and ban everything and you know so you can't do it well it, if it if it's not appreciated it's got no value so no one cares about it and for me I love it. I love jumping with those sails. Like, you know, like I said, swimming down with him. It's like, oh my God, this is just amazing, you know? And he's looking at me and they've got this great shot just with him swimming along. And people will be able to see that and go, what an awesome fish. But oh, yeah. We can't tell them that. Mm, we can't right. go back and go, like, you know, those days that you've seen amazing things, like you've seen killer whales down there and all these yeah. things. And remember the other, when we're at the, um, at the Groot Island, at the, uh, the game fishing club there, when you had the, the, the function and all the guys being come and the girl goes have a look at this I go there's no way that's good on here she is filming a bloody killer whale yeah exactly instantly I'm like that's amazing and that's that whole thing you've got to get the photo the, the, the video the photo to show them even right now we're sitting down here talking and there's a croc in front of us on the beach <laughs> we'll put it up live on Instagram and show people which will probably be late by the time you see it but it's sitting there in front of us now just talking about it we have to show them they have to go to instagram they have to go to facebook they have to go to youtube just yep. to see it and of course then we've got the sunset that's just beyond insane you know yeah. this is awesome mate like being down here doing this podcast now on the water uh sunset crocodile that's pretty rare opportunity it is it is and that brings us to i suppose the last segment of this podcast is about you working with the billfish foundation we're tagging these billfish and we've spoken about looking after them but i have to say you guys have the most unique fisher on earth where on earth do you get two recaptures in a day hmm. and you were saying earlier when we we're fishing that no one else catches the fish that you guys are tagging yeah it's it's really really bizarre look uh, so the gulf of carpentary which is in the northern part of australia um it's it has sailfish in it but it's not a very populated area Okay, so we've got a town that's on the other side of the Gulf, which is Weeper over in Queensland, yep. and they catch heaps of sailfish. They've had a crack a year. They've got hundreds of them. Then you go all the way around the bottom of the Gulf, Corumba, and that, people don't really catch many out of there. There's the Vandalins, there's a couple of grey nomads that fish out of there, don't really catch them. Then Gove, which is up, just up the road from us, 250k, which is, I don't know, 250k or... It's not far for a billfish, not, not, not that far, far at all. So, but apart from those, those couple of communities, they all tag billfish, they all catch billfish, they never ever show up there, they only show up south of Groot. So it's really weird fishery, unknown fishery. Yeah, and see it almost, to me, this is what I love, it almost presents more questions than it actually answers, because oh, tagging is such a great way, you tag them, recapture them, you can see their length, you can see where they, if they've moved, you know, all those sort of things. But here you are with fish that you're tagging and even the ones we've got. Now, you had one that was at Liberty for a year 
one that was Liberty for 30 days. And what was the other one? So we've had the three that we get, what did we get? We got a 38 day at Liberty, yep. 350 days at Liberty, and 383 oh, right. so days another, another at Liberty. Yeah. That's the three recaptures in while you've been here. Well, what was the one you were telling me okay. about before? Okay, so this is some random stuff for recaptures, and people love all this stuff. It's oh, bizarre it. information. Worry. So no, no, it's important information. That's what it is. It is. It's it important. is very important in in so many different ways. So we've got some random things happen over the years. Even like last year was our best year ever. Yeah, we we tagged and got heaps of recaptures. We had one that was caught about twenty two hours after we caught it the day before. Twenty two hours. So the same fish, same sailfish was caught again in literally the, within a day. And you know what makes it even funnier? It was the same bloke. It was my boss. He's caught it. He was on the boat with me. We camped overnight. Went out back out the next day. He caught it. Yeah, oh, it's a recapture. Went and tagged it. It's the same fish. Yeah, exactly he the caught. same fish. And he caught it on my boat. Same day. So we'd camped up just up in that little bay. That I drove past where I pointed out yeah, where we yeah, usually yeah. camp. We camped there the night. Went out the next day. Bang, caught one. Recaptured. Tagged it. Cut it off. No worries. It was pretty clean. As we're driving around, I'm just going through all yes, the tag cuts from the day before going, hey, that's one you caught yesterday about midday. Remember that? He goes, oh. You're joking. So it was that about 22 hours. So do you know what? This is why this information is so vital. Because you hear all the stuff, ah, oh, they all die. Well, they, they don't. don't. They don't die. They don't, They're bloody mate. feeding and within oh. not even a day, he's back and doesn't even, he hasn't even learned his lesson, that bloody fish. Well, I'll tell you what's better than that. I've got a better one for you. There was a fish that we caught in about 2013. It was a four kilo sailfish. Now, now that's small for here. That is extremely small. Now I think we've we've tagged a lot of sailfish. I've tagged a fair few while I've been here, Al. And remember that little one that you caught? I'll say that it was a little it one. Was it was a little. It, it was, was about 20 kilos, 18. It was It could have 16, possibly maybe been 17. 200 kilos. I'm okay. Not, maybe a little bit of exaggeration. Maybe about 180 kilos worth of exaggeration, but it was close. Put it this way. It was small. All right, I admit it was small. Okay, it wasn't as big as all the other ones we get here, because usually they're 25, mainly 30 kilos, and you get a few 35, so you get a big one like Jim Gotti got a 40. Anyway, this little four kilo job was basically, that would be one of the smallest ones I've ever caught. We tagged that then, and a mate caught it last year after 1,584 days at Liberty, he came Still back four in, years. Yep, five years. Five years, so God. Five years and very at well Liberty at in the same area, mm -hmm. and he was just over 40 kilos. See, this really makes you wonder what's wow. going on. So where are these fish going? They're obviously coming there to feed, because yes, when I 100%. jumped in with them, they're coughing up pilchards and sardines and everything. So they're yep. there to feed, but where are they going? That is a mystery. It amazes Absolute me mystery. that no one else has found them. That you know, you go around to Darwin, Dundee Beach, and they catch yep. those little baby ones over there, like real small ones, quite regularly. And then you get, you know, as you're saying, over at Weeper, and even on the east coast, we know that these sailfish are generally resident to a certain degree, but they also move around a lot. So, where are they going? What are they doing? It, it's so unknown. It really is so unknown what, what's going on down there. It's absolutely bizarre. But I'll tell you what, Al, I love the recaptures and I love the information that and, we're getting from it. And the Bill Fishing Foundation must love you because this is the most <laughs> unique fisher on earth. You've got the highest recapture rate, but it's also, it's also showing that all these fish are living. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, the survival is really important. I mean, so we look at like we tag fish, we want to sort of get that information. It's important that once you've enjoyed catching that fish, looking after the fish, we've gone over that, keeping them wet, keeping them in the water. Yeah, changing that correct. whole ethos of pulling them exactly. out, which we all used to do. So people that go, oh, but you used to do it. We're learning. And do you know what? One thing I love about fishing, and this is sort of digressing a little bit, is that we're changing everything we do and constantly improving. So you notice with wreck anglers, the way we used to fish five years, 10 years, 20 years ago, we improve so quickly, and yet we get a hard time from environmental groups and all that. Yet we are the biggest advocates of looking after the ocean because we're on the ocean. Exactly. The whole time. Even a classic. Now, when we were filming, I said, look at this. You've got your big Yeti. What's the one with the water? That The, the little silo. The silo. That's awesome. And we're using that. So there's no plastic on board. Exactly. And yet I've been told off by people about polluting the ocean that are drinking out of a plastic bottle. <laughs> and I just sit there going, you're a dickhead. Hey, well, yeah. I did show you, Al, today, that sailfish, one of those sailfish. Yeah. So I've got a little cup at home I keep all my recaptures in. A little oh. cup. It's a bloody big <laughs> cup, mate. Come on. Yeah. And I keep, keep all my little tags. I keep putting them in there every recapture. And I've got that little bit of a, a, a bottle top lid that we took off a fish that Kelly, my wife, caught last year in the billy comp that had actually picked up. So the sailfish must have swum along through the ocean, got caught up in some rubbish or kitty litter somewhere out there, plastic. It's gone over the bill. No way. No jokes, over the bill and it's stuck there and it's grown over it. Now, a billfish's, um, the bill of the billfish is actually consistently tapered all the way down. When we caught this one, we cut it off because we saw the plastic on the end there, or halfway, about halfway down his bill. And you could see there, there was actually a dip in from where this was actually like nearly ring barking around his bill. Wow. And I mean, I know we get a lot of rubbish down from the Asian countries to the north there. Like that's, they're probably yeah, not looking is. after the world as they should be. Let's be honest about it. And all that's coming down here because the currents bring it in. But it's fascinating that even here in one of the most remote parts of Australia, oh. the rubbish, yeah. it's still getting in our oceans. Absolutely. And that's what frustrates me. Here we are doing everything we can to look after it as anglers. Mm. And yet we get a hard time for it. It really frustrates me. Check this out. There's a croc. There's, this croc's now moving across right in front of us there. He's slowly coming in close to the beach. Isn't it amazing? Here oh, we are talking yeah. about it. Here croc, he is. You're, you're, yeah, right. We're talking is. crocs and stuff. He's only 25 metres off the beach here in town. But what I love is, and we've probably got to close up because yeah. the sun's gone down. <laughs> My beer's actually empty. I'll be straight <laughs> honest with you. That's the priority. But it's... Groot sail fishery is so unique and so special that, no, that it's it's a standalone. It can be a real case study on what we can do. But for me, going forward, we need, and if there's anyone out there who wants to put their money where their mouth is, we need some satellite tagging up here to see what exactly is going on with these fish. And that, to me, is the single most important part. If we satellite tag them, we'll see, at least if, they're, if they are all staying at the bottom end of the island or if they are actually moving around. Because one thing we've found with sat tagging over the years that everything I've been involved with, the fish do the complete opposite to what we thought. And if we know what they're doing, we can look after them better. Yep. So we don't have to lock it up. All we have to do is know where they're going. Because mm. I'm coming away here from this trip going, you know, we filmed some awesome episodes of Fishing With Mates, but going, I want to know what they're doing. I want to look after these fish. And that's a classic thing. We appreciate it because we've seen it. We want to look after it. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, Al. I'd love to be involved to put some satellite tags down there, mate. You know what? South 32. Come on, talk to your boss. Talk to your boss. Talk to the boss, you That's reckon? That's what we got to do. <laughs> well, Bomber, absolutely awesome having you on the podcast. 
We'll have to do it again, but the only thing is we're going to do it when we're back here, sitting <laughs> on the beach at Groot. I'll tell you what, mate. Absolute pleasure. Loved having you up here and all the guys. It was an absolute cracker, but I'll tell you what, you have to come back. We need to go to the other side of the island and go to some special reef in the We've middle of nowhere. We've got some plans for that. We've got some plans. <laughs> so remember, if you want to follow Bomber, get onto Instagram. What else are you on? Just Insta uh, Instagram. Instagram's Facebook, the main one. Bomber get him on Bomber Farrell Instagram. Follow him. <laughs> and then if anyone ever wants to go to the most amazing place, Groot, it's also known as Yeti Island. And once you get here, you'll know exactly what I mean. Fishing is my life. It's in my DNA. From above the water and below the surface. It's who I am. Join me as I travel the world in search of the most insane fishing experiences on the planet. You got it. Oh, yeah. Big fish right there, Al. Yeah, baby. the size of it. Oh, yeah. Come on. Oh, that is I'm Elmer Glushin.